Hey there, we're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, gentlemen, we begin our look at the teams on Northwestern's schedule as we continue our 2019 summer previews. Let's start with opening day. Uh, trip out to Palo Alto, California to take on the Stanford Cardinal. Um, you know, this is kind of the, I mean, this is a really big matchup for week one. And, you know, when you look at kind of nationwide, like, there aren't a ton of really juicy matchups in week one. Our game is probably one of the, one of the juicier ones. Um, just as far as like two power five conference teams playing each other and, um, you know, two smart schools, obviously that, that storyline is going to be beat to death. But, um, you know, this is a Stanford team that has been really, really good lately. And it's kind of a, a team that I, I feel like we are trying to get and, and maybe we're there, and I, I'm interested to hear your take on this. But like, we're tr- that—that's kind of the, the quality of program we're trying to emulate. And and like I say, maybe we're there already. I'm not 100 percent sure we are because Stanford's been to several roles, Rose Bowls the, over the past few seasons. Um, but if we're not there, we're close. Uh, so this is going to be a, a really interesting matchup. Obviously, a ton of Northwestern fans out on the West Coast. Um, you know, everyone who was down in San Diego for the holiday bowl, it's not going to be that hard for most of them to head over to the Bay area and, and check out the cats and the Cardinal. But, um, David Shaw has been running this program for nine years now. I and mean, there's just a sense of stability. Uh, you know what you're going to get with Stanford and you know, it, it's going to be an exciting matchup. It's also, this is the, the return trip, the home and home that we scheduled that began Clayton Thorson's career back in 2015. It's and I'm I'm glad you brought that up and we're going to go there in a second, but it's been a long time since that game for both of these teams and I think that's going to be a good thing. Uh, so John, defensively, um what are we looking at from Stanford? So, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but Trust me, um, if you are the Stanford 2019 defense, you are not happy that you have to start the season against Northwestern. Um, so and this is sort of what I was alluding to. The defense that Stanford brought to Evanston four years ago is not the defense that they rolled out in 2018. Um, Stanford certainly had areas of real strength on D last year, but they also had glaring weaknesses. And it is hard to look at this situation and think that Stanford is going to be somehow better in 2019 than they were in 2018. It just doesn't stack up that way. Now, it sounds especially lame to say this, and especially given what you just said, Sammy, right off the top. Um, And given that this is the kind of crap people say about Northwestern all the time. But what Stanford's defense was last year was smart. And what I mean is that they maximized their talent. They didn't make dumb plays and they played the long game rather than the short game, um, you know, game to game, which means just another way of saying they fielded the number four scoring defense in the Pac-12, but they fielded the number nine total defense in the Pac-12. Um, the Cardinal tied for second in the Pac-12 in sacks without having a single player get more than five and a half sacks. 
what Stanford's defense was not in 2018 was particularly talented. Again, no player in Stanford, Stanford's 3-4 scheme had more than five and a half sacks. And on one hand, you could look at the returning outside linebackers Jordan Fox and Gabe Reed as the most dangerous players on this defense, given the fact that those guys combined for 17 TFLs and 10 sacks. Remember, though, that those numbers, 17 tackles for loss and 10 sacks combined, aren't exactly mind-blowing when you consider that outside linebackers in a 3-4 are supposed to get sacks and TFLs. That's their job. If you take away those two players, there isn't a single guy on Stanford who can reliably get to the quarterback. Now, as one would expect, Stanford's down linemen are all big boys who absorb blockers. Uh, they did a decent job of this, led by Jovan Swan, who had seven tackles for loss and four and a half sacks. Here's the thing, though. The real saving grace of Stanford's run defense last year wasn't the line, it was the middle linebackers. Bobby Okarike and Sean Barton were easily two of Stanford's three best defensive players. They combined for 188 tackles and 11 tackles for loss. And guess what? They're both gone now. When they play us, Stanford is basically going to be breaking in two guys with almost zero experience as linchpins of their run defense. And remember, this was only the number eight run defense in the Pac-12 last year. Stanford's best returning player, by far, is cornerback Paul Sinadebo. Uh, he broke up an insane 20 passes last year, and he basically walls off his man. Consider this, though. With arguably the best cornerback in the Pac-12, Stanford still finished second to last in the conference in pass defense. It's worth mentioning, too, that Stanford's number two corner isn't particularly good, and that the Cardinal safeties are going to be green next year. And again, this was a crappy pass defense last year. Good offenses neutralized Stanford's weak pass rush, and they found ways to move the ball down the field. Stanford, again, because they played smart, were able to tighten up late thanks to play calling and excellent linebacker play up the middle. But that linebacker play, especially in the first game of the season, is going to take a big hit. Also, for the record, just in case anyone's wondering, because again, when we preview Pac-12 teams or whatever, you know, it's sort of apples to oranges going outside of the Big Ten. Um, so for anyone who's curious... This defense wasn't remotely as good last year as Utah's defense. It wasn't even close. Um, so they lost. They lost forty to twenty-one to Utah. Yeah, uh, at so, home, right? So make no mistake, we have easily the better defense in this matchup at every position except cornerback. This is not a hallmark Stanford defense, and if our offensive line can show up in week one, we are going to punch them in the mouth. So, Scuzz, um, looking at their offense, I mean, you've got KJ Costello coming back. Um, Bryce Love is gone uh, at running back, but, you know, he was hurt so much last year. You know, definitely wasn't the Bryce Love of old, but Stanford's got a a history of big-time running backs. Do they have another one to jump in or what are we expecting to see from the Stanford O? Interestingly, this is a team that's for years, right? Has been built to run 
and run teams over on the backs of, you know, incredible offensive line talent. They've put a lot of guys in the NFL. You mentioned Bryce Love. There's been Toby Gerhardt, several others uh, who have come out of Stanford in, you know, the nine years of, of Shaw's tenure and however many Harbaugh was there before that. And last year they did they did not run the ball well. It was not just Bryce Love. Even when he was out and injured, the guys behind him didn't look great either, and that was behind what was supposed to be one of their best offensive lines ever. And you're basically washing, rinsing, and repeating with that group coming into this season. So here's how this plays out. Um, I'm, I'm going to start with K.J. Costello, the quarterback. He is... Um, He's a big-time QB. He was a high-end recruit. He improved dramatically from his first year as a partial starter in 2017. He had a big rise in completion percentage, up to 65%. Uh, His TDs, his yards per attempt. He's got a lot of NFL attention, in particular because he's got a strong arm. He shows decent accuracy. He can, quote, make all the throws, you know, just like a Clayton Thorson, right? Um, But he's got even a little bit more pedigree than Thorson had, uh, just based on his recruiting profile. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. However, he loses his top three targets from last season. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Trent Irwin, and tight end Caden Smith. Those three dudes combined for 190 catches for 2,300 yards and 18 touchdowns. Whiteside in particular is an incredible talent, and I think, frankly, he's irreplaceable. And so there's a big question here of, is it Costello, or was it this incredible bevy of talent that he was able to throw to? Coming in this year, uh, they're going to be just fine at tight end. Stanford usually is. That's that's a position, you know, very much like Michigan and, and uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, others. They just recruited very, very well there. They've got some insanely talented newcomers at wide receiver. One that I want to specifically point out is uh, Osiris St. Brown. This is the younger brother of Equinemius St. Brown, who uh, we played when he was at Notre Dame. He was a big target uh, that Northwestern went after as a recruit. It's and, worthwhile. and Amon Ra St. Brown, too. Yeah, right? and Amon yeah. Ra at USC, yeah. Amon Ra at, Saint, at USC. Did you know that their dad was a former Mr. Universe winner? I, I think I did, yeah. Crazy. Anyways, um, the St. Brown family notwithstanding, uh, Osiris is, is quite talented. There's a bevy of other like really highly regarded receivers. They've got a, a freshman, a redshirt freshman named Simi Fahoko, who's uh, very large. He's 6'4". That receive type of receiver always gives me nightmares when when NU plays these types of teams. But here's the deal: their O line is losing quite a lot. They've lost their center, left guard, and right tackle. They bring back an all world left tackle in Walker Little Jr. They bring in an, an absolute stud recruit. Uh, he's a sophomore at right tackle, but the interior is not as strong as in years past. They were pretty decent in sacks allowed last year. But I think if the Cats are going to try and pressure Costello, coming up the middle is where to do it. Can we say hello to Gastown playing in the Cheetah Package, please? <laughs> um, so then this is where it gets interesting, because I already talked about their running game being pretty anemic last year, and they're basically re- repeating that again again this season. Um, Bryce Love had a lot of expectations. The other running backs, Cameron Scarlett, Trevor Spates, and Dorian Maddox, none of them could really produce. I mean, across the board they barely eclipsed four yards per carry. Now they've lost a ton of talent on the O-line, particularly in, in the in the interior. Their center was was spectacular. Scarlett is penciled in as the starter. The, like the, These are the names. This is going to be the group. Um, 
he did score eight touchdowns last year. He's definitely a, a threat in the receiving game, but like I'm not I'm not shaking in my boots looking at these running backs. They do have a really good running back coming in in Austin Jones. Um, he could eventually be like a Christian McCaffrey type. We recruited him. Yeah, but he's 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 not going to be there in his first year. Um, this is not this is not a five star recruit. This is this is a four star recruit. Um, and you know, all this being said, it starts to make me wonder if Stanford's personnel might no longer match the heavy pro rush scheme that Harbaugh and Shaw have been running for so long. The other the other piece is Costello himself. You can cross him off as a running threat. He is immobile, and I'm not talking Clayton Thorson immobile. I'm talking Leighton is in his career, Peyton Manning immobile. <laughs> and I, I have long talked about how the Cats kryptonite is a mobile quarterback, and you're going to hear me throughout these previews this summer, like tripling, quadrupling down on that on that aspect. In addition to not being a running threat, like you generally see KJ making plays by stepping up in the pocket. Like he's, he's a very good pro style quarterback, but he's not running outside the pocket, keeping plays alive, scrambling, extending. That is what gives NU trouble all the time. Remember the, the Big Ten Championship game and what uh, what Ohio State's quarterback Haskins did to the Cats. It was it was moving around. It was shaking off tacklers. It was his little you know duck and cover move. That's what torched Northwestern. Um, Costello is a drop back, take, take three steps forward and throw type of guy, and I think the Cats can, can – do well to contain them if they don't have to worry about Stanford's running game because it's not as as powerful as it's been in the past that just really lets them concentrate on Costello really emphasize you know putting putting smaller guys like Gastown in the center and and you know going after the quarterback as a, as a super priority in the end here like I think it's very possible that with this with the young talent and the degree to which Costello can be a very good quarterback, they could t- certainly take advantage of our young corners. They've got the skill set, they've got the talent, etc. I think Hankowitz has a number of opportunities and levers that he can pull to try and combat that. But here's the big thing. Don't forget how brutal this Stanford team looked four years ago. They had terrible play calling, a lack of urgency, a lack of creativity on offense when they came to Evanston. And yeah, everybody joked about body clocks, but the reality is is that this is a bit of a theme for David Shaw. He's a really good CEO, not the greatest game day coach, especially not early in, early in the year. You know, they've, they've shifted uh, offensive coordinators since then, but I fully expect Stanford to come out and try to bludgeon in you in the running game because it's what they do. If they struggle there, or even if it's a balanced attack and they're not, they're not able to generate, well, yeah, uh, if they're not able to generate on the running game, how quickly are they going to shift gears? Are they going to have a plan B? It's a big question mark in Northwestern's favor because last time we played, they didn't have that, and I've not seen the evidence, despite the fact that Stanford is a really high-performing program. Their consistency, I think, is what probably sets them apart from NU at this stage. They, ha- they haven't seemed to figure that aspect out yet, and they get, they get really good in Pac-12 season, but early on in the year, they can struggle. Well, you know, it's funny because they finished – technically relatively strong last year but Stanford was very much bailed out by getting a really weak set of teams in conference down the stretch because they lost four or five at one point and then got to play like UCLA and Cal at the end Oregon of the, State yeah Oregon <laughs> State at the end and then they played Pitt who they barely beat in their bowl game and 
they so if I'm Stanford, I I'm terrified right now. And to your everything you just said, Scuzz, is absolutely right. And on the flip side, and it's weird to say this because I mean we've had so many gripes with Northwestern coaching over the over the years, but we know exactly what we're gonna do in this game. Um and defensively, it couldn't be any more obvious. Um, well, I mean, b- before we get in there, I just you know, normally this is the the point where I run down the schedule, and because it's the first game, I'm not going to do that. But um, the one thing I do want to mention is that um, after our game, they travel down to Southern California to take on USC. So whether or not that's, I mean, can you really have a, a look ahead game week one? Probably I, not, trap game but, week one. <laughs> I well I. I, here's like you said. Normally we don't do this. I'd just like to point out who Stanford's first six games of the season are. Yeah, Northwestern yeah. at USC at UCF. Who, granted, is going to be on like their third quarterback, but is still an Brandon Winbush man. But has but has lost zero regular season games in the last two years. Then Oregon. And maybe the best quarterback in the country, you know, or no, top three quarterback in the country um, in terms of draft prospect. Then at Oregon State and then Washington. Like, there's like one in five is not out of the question. There, you know, there are five teams playing Stanford who could certainly beat Stanford straight up in those five games. Um, And I mean, it's. It's funny just because I, I'm really wondering, like, what is this Stanford team and what are people going to be saying about this Stanford team heading into their bye week in October? I don't know. But I do know, to everything Scuzz said and everything I said, I think we, like, we have a really clear plan for what we're going to do. We know exactly what Hankowitz is going to do here. He's got an immobile quarterback and an, and an anemic run game facing him. We're just going to throttle them and just take away the run game. Like, that's just going to be gone. And if you think that's ego, you must have missed all of last season where we just took away everyone's run game. Um, it's the same guys. Now, yeah, Jordan Thompson is gone, but if you think we have some massive drop-off at defensive tackle, I don't know what to tell you. Um, and we have two of the best linebackers in the country. They're not going to run. And we're going to play deep cushions, the kind of cushions that have us all tearing our hair out, and let Costello throw underneath, especially since he can't scramble. So we're going to see how much pressure we can get on him. And we're going to let them take their dinks and dunks early. But he better be painting the numbers, because if he's not, that's it. They don't have another option. Um, and on the other side, yes, I know this will be Hunter Johnson's first game at quarterback. Probably. But, probably. But we've got... Uh, like. A wing of our defense, I mean, of our offensive line, that can run the ball effectively. A good running back who will be fresh at the start of the year. And they're not good on run defense. And it's just like, I like they don't have a particularly good defense. They have a really talented pair, like group of wide receivers who will not be very tested at the start of this season. Um, a quarterback who's you know, a tree trunk who can't move. And I'm just like, I like if you, I don't know what you would want in terms of Stanford serving us up the combination of a big name opponent in a nationally televised game 
in a very winnable situation. I don't know what better, what more we could be asking for in this game. Yeah, I like I I couldn't agree more. And you know, six months ago, I was looking at this thinking, oh man, Stanford. Well, I shouldn't say six months ago. I should. Oh, yeah, six months ago, as as I was reflecting on on twenty eighteen, thinking about twenty nineteen, having not dug into Stanford much at that time, this game definitely worried me. It's still on the road. I mean, you know, we went out to Cal a couple of years ago, and the body clock game, right? The body clock game, but it, it felt like we torched them a lot of that because it was because we got two pick sixes from um, I forget which linebacker, but I mean, we we did well against them. We also lost a lot of guys to injury. Followed it up the, the the following year with just a terrible loss to Cal in Evanston. But, like, when was the last time we allowed a pro-style QB to just pick us apart without being able to get pressure? And I mentioned that the, the Ohio State game in, in the Big Ten Championship. We got pressure. Haskins just moved around a ton. And, I like, this – there feels like a very, very, very clear path for, for a Cat's – victory a solid convincing cats victory in this game have either of you guys seen what um what the line is for it yet right now yeah we're we're dogs by at least six right six and a half yeah, yeah i t- t- to take a page from uh was it jb butler who tweeted it out that no no longer an ncaa student athlete and i think jb said he's planning on betting his life savings on that on that game um i can't say i blame him uh, it is the, I mean, it, that, I mean, that's ludicrous. Again, it's like, you're basically betting on laundry. I'm sorry, but and like, really that, that's what it is. I mean, the, it's, it's laundry. It's the perception. I mean, the, the national perception of Stanford being this top tier PAC 12 team that's right there every year. And they should just, you know, mop the floor with us. And, you know, the national perception of Northwestern being this scrappy, you know, up and comer, you know, might get frisky here and there. That's not who we are anymore. Well, let's let's talk about Stanford in that in that regard right now, because I, I like here's the interesting thing to me. If you look at like their fa- last five years, uh, nine wins, nine wins, ten wins, twelve wins, eight wins, and I know if you go back before that, it's it's basically nine to eleven wins every year. Back to what year three of Harbaugh, they have been exceedingly consistent. They have maintained a level of performance in the Pac-12 that's really, really impressive. Over that time, the quality of the Pac-12 has dropped off precipitously. Good point. USC, Oregon, like yes, Washington and Washington State have had you know some some revivals there. Um, Cal, you could probably argue, has has tailed off quite a bit over that time. Um, Yes, Utah has emerged. The Arizonas have had some 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 good things going on, but you know when, when I look at uh, you know Bill Connolly's preview before before he left SB Nation, he at least got Stanford up there for us. Um, he talks about how their S and P plus his kind of advanced metric for for you know team of team strength, etc. It's it's stayed really good, but when you when you look when you look at it, it drops off a little bit each year. A little bit each year, a little bit each year. And like I said, David Shaw is a good coach. He's a good CEO of that program. He do, he's done a very, very excellent job maintaining it and recruiting and developing players. But 
I don't know. Like, like you just articulated it, Sam, like there's a laundry aspect here. And I think people are thinking about Stanford of six, six years ago, vis-a-vis the conference that surrounded them. And it's a different landscape now. Absolutely. And, you know, in that current landscape, I mean, if, if you look so many people, you know, I think a lot of eyeballs were on that Stanford USC game last year that Stanford won 17 to three, but to your points, cause USC was like a mess and they were, you know, I don't know what the heck they were doing, but they were not in a good place. If you look at the power structure as it existed in the Pac-12 last year, Stanford was 0-3 against that power structure. Utah, Washington, State, and Washington. Um, And they gave up close to 40 points a game across those three games. And while we're here, we might as well talk about common opponents. Because Stanford (laughs) played Notre Dame and Stanford played Utah. And both of them kicked the crap out of Stanford. Um, combined score of 78 to 38. Um, and again, that's a Utah team we beat and a Notre Dame team we played darn tight. So again, like, and Utah, and like you said, Scott, Utah came into Palo Alto and just mopped the floor with Stanford. So again, this is a team that really benefited from playing a lot of weak teams down the stretch last year. And I, again, it's like, yes, there are some serious stars under that wide receiver core and they've got great tackles. But again, it's like this defense is not good. And they're, I mean, and I, and they're a team that has, I just don't see, they don't have a chance of running the ball. So I, I mean, again, it's like, I know, I don't want to put too much, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. It's still Stanford, but I just don't know how you ask for a better situation to start the season than this. I also love that, you know, we're on, you know, it's a one o'clock Pacific game. So it's a three o'clock central kickoff on Fox. Body you clocks. Know, national, body clocks. National te- yeah, body clock's not an issue. I mean, it's it's a regular, you know, you know second, you know, late afternoon game. Which is which is phenomenal. I mean, we're not looking at like the 10 p.m. kickoff. This isn't Pac-12 after dark, um, which when we went out to Cal uh, a few years back when, when that was, and we were all like staying up till 2 a.m. to watch the end of that one. But uh, you know, it, it's it's a reasonable kickoff time, national TV. You know, it's it's on Daddy Fox, uh, so you know it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm really excited that this is. You know, it, it's a big name opponent in a big name environment with big name national attention on it, and you know it, it's a chance for us to come out and you know show that we're not the Northwestern of old. You know, we're the Northwestern team that played with Ohio State for most of that game. We're the Northwestern team that came back and beat a really really talented Utah team in the bowl game. You know, th- this is a really talented team and we have a great opportunity to show that again in front of the nation okay i'm ready to run through a brick wall all right (laughs) well let's go ahead and uh, leave it there for stanford uh head to our website westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions find us on facebook find us on twitter and now find us on instagram at westlawpirates you can always email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com 
Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the west lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Combe, Nerick Skazboy, and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.